Hey, as we pick up and uh, continue uh, in our series here in a study on the discipleship journey, uh, tonight was going to be a, a very specific focus so that those who are taking notes that you're following along, that I want you to be able to remember these very practical steps in this discipleship journey, these practical steps, I'm referring to it as the biblical uh, contingency plan. Because you get, need to have a contingency plan when you find yourself, if you fall down in your walk, uh, in your journey, um, or you're just getting started, you've got to have a plan. You have to have a plan and work the plan and understand the plan. They will give you the, the strength to be able to continue to walk in a way that's pleasing to God and that you can recover from those moments where you uh, elapse or follow yourself a week. We want you to come back into what do I need to do now? Because obviously the enemy will come to condemn you. Uh, fiery darts will fly at you every which way so that you are trying to be discouraged to not get back up and continue your walk with Christ. But the practical steps of achieving the biblical change that we've been talking about in this series is so important because making biblical change in your life requires two things. You need to have prayerful and purposeful actions that you must follow in your walk with Christ. They have to be prayerful and purposeful. Those are two key words because if you don't understand that, if you're just trying to think and talk to yourself through this whole thing, you're in trouble. If it's not purposeful, if you don't have a plan of action, a contingency, when things get a little squirrely and you seem very weak in your walk with Christ, you need to have a contingency plan. What do I need to do? And I'm going to give that to you practically tonight. But we're going to take off here, off the scriptures here, and we're going to do Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, if you could go to Romans 6, verses 1 through 14. This is what we will use to, as a platform to go into this very specific steps that I'm going to give you that uh, for you to remember. Uh, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this evening, Lord. And as we open up your word and we uh, open up discussion here, Lord, uh, we pray the Holy Spirit, you will just speak to our hearts. Uh, do your work in your hearts as you see fit. Uh, from everything from conviction to encouragement, have it all this in each person's life who's listening and uh, hearing now or in the future, Lord, as they listen to these uh, recordings, Lord, I pray that you will again minister the hearts of those who hear your word and from your spirit. Again, in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died in sin, live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, and certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Why? Because he is alive. Don't forget that. You're, the Savior we serve, the Savior we follow, is alive. <laughs> Not a, a dead prophet. It, we have a living Savior that we worship. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as an in instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the, from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So when you go back, if you haven't gone in Romans chapter 6, verse uh, 1 through 14, continue, I highly encourage you to go back and to read that once again. Because not only there, but even Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should, be, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. So we can see that we can live in a very clear-minded. If your mind's foggy tonight and you find yourself confused and you're not sure what to do and you're concerned and you're wandering around or you're paralyzed because of the fear or anxiety or whatever that you're dealing with, understand this relationship with Christ changes everything. The question is, and you're saying to me right now, but I do have a relationship with Christ, but I still experience things because you do not know the practical things you need to understand to apply to your life prayerfully and purposefully to have the biblical change that needs to take place in your life. And that's why we're going to give that to you tonight. So I hope that you're following along and go back and, re and listen to this teaching once again. But, re but we must, first of all, respond immediately Respond immediately to our need for biblical change. We must, as we walk with Christ, know there's times in our life as we're walking, you're going to say, ah, I need to change in that way. I know that's not, that's not, it goes against scripture, that's not pleasing to God, or that's just my, that's a really sticking attitude. And that's not right. So you know you need to change biblically. The question is, do you do it immediately? That's the question, right? Because we so many times rely upon Proverbs 3, uh, verses uh, five, 5 through 6, but I'll even go 5 through 8 here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be healthy or be, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So it's a good thing that you're trusting in God. It's a good thing physically, mentally, and spiritually, trusting in God, trust in, believe in God, and He is in control. And for those who are you know, struggling today of, of what's happening in our nation, you must be steadfast in the fact that you trust the Lord and He's in control. That's what you have to remind ourselves today. God is in control, and that will help you to solidify in your mind that the things that we're seeing by sight is still in some sovereign way God is working things out for his glory and purpose. Remember, we're going home soon. It's only my time the Lord's coming back and rapture us out of here. Just snatch us right up, catch us right up into him in the clouds. I hope you believe that because it's in the scriptures. Ephesians 4 verses 22 through 24, that you need to put off, you need to put off, you, you have to make, you have to do your part, you need to put off concerning your former conduct. Why are you continuing to talk about your former conduct, the former sins, the former ways you lived and the way you did those things? Why would you even continue to focus on those things? It says, right, concerning your former conduct, the old man there's no such thing as an old woman, just old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So you have this transformation, this change that needs to take place, and you have responsibility, I have responsibility to do that. So how do we do that? The first one is ask God. You need to ask God for wisdom. That's, how it, that's where it starts. It starts with him, ends with him. It's all about him. That's James 1.5. Then you need to be subject to place yourself under the control of the Holy Spirit. You must say, I want the Holy Spirit to live within me as a believer to control me. That who dwells within me and dwells within you. Romans 8 verses 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. 
And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So that is fact, my brothers and sisters. That is not a question. If you're born again, you have the Spirit of God who sealed you for eternity. He has the whole, you have the Holy Spirit that's going to work in and through you the truth, the righteousness of God here in your life, working out your salvation. But you have to understand the Holy Spirit's there as your helper who is sent to you to help you to live this life in these mortal bodies. The question is, do you grieve the Holy Spirit or are you actually living in the Spirit and being feeding the Spirit of God by reading the Word of God, by praying and fellowshipping and serving God, the things that God's called you, so your spirit is walking in such strength that the things of the former old man no longer is going to raise its, res uh, its ugly head to try to take over your life again. It's dead. It's gone. Christ died for that. So you have to ask God for wisdom. You need to be subject yourself to the control of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the third was conduct a thorough self-examination and make a list of the ways you have failed to think biblically, talk biblically, act biblically in your daily life. Take note of those things. List it down. Don't just cover it and sweep it under the rug. You must face it, what things that you are finding yourself and the Holy Spirit convicting you that that's not how you speak and that is not the way you're thinking and that is not the, how the action should be in that situation. And you need to take note and say, okay, God, I need to change there. I need to biblically change. So how, how am I going to change? I need to do it differently next time. You need to, to put off the flesh put off the worldly ways and you need to understand that according to God's word it is so important that you recognize those things according to the word and you confess it that's the fourth thing confess these unbiblical actions deeds these unbiblical words and actions and thoughts you must confess these unbiblical things to the Lord you need to talk to him about that. We see that in 1 Corinthians 11, 30, 11 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you see how important it is to confess those sins to the Lord. The next one is to make a list of the biblical put-ons. Remember, you make a list of the things you need to put off, but you also have to replace those things with the things you need to put on. You need to just, you need to replace these unbiblical thoughts with biblical thoughts. You need to replace these unbiblical words that come out of your mouth to biblical words that line up with the scriptures. And same with the actions. And if we don't do that, we will not grow and change biblically and become more... Uh, Christ-like in our, in our life. We see Ephesians 4.25, Therefore put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So you see the put off, stop lying. Then what do you have to do instead? Tell the truth to your neighbor. That's how you have to practice that. You need to change that. Ephesians 4, 28 through 29, let him who stole steal no longer. You put it off. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. What's to put on? I'm going to start working for what I need, not stealing. And then not only do I work for what I need, but I work for what I need, but then I give also what I've received to give it to someone else in need. Did you catch that? That's, that's not just, okay, I'm going to go work really hard. It's all about me and let me get you know, good stuff and get better stuff and better, better, better stuff and bigger stuff because I, I accumulate what? No. God says, yes, you need to for your need, but you have others you need to serve and give because they can't work. And we studied that and we talked about that, I think it was on Sunday. So we must put on 
these different actions. Colossians 3.10, put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. First Corinthians, uh, yeah, let's pick up on verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Those right there. You want to know what you need to focus on in your Christian walk? Put on these things right here. Put on the tender mercies toward other people, kindness toward people, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You need to learn to forgive other people. You need to learn, not just say it, but you have to put it in practice and actually do it. Or it didn't happen. Just saying it doesn't make it true. Bearing with one another. That means you're bearing. You're, it's not always easy to, 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 to be along, alongside of each other. There's times where you're going to have to be bearing. There's going to be a load there you're going to have to hold on to and work with. But you're to bear with one another. Forgiving one another. You have a complaint against a brother, then you need to give it to the Lord. Why? Because Christ forgave you, we see in the scriptures, so you almost do. Verse 14, above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are the things, my brothers and sisters, we must practice. We must continue to practice these things and ask God to empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit to implement those in our life. So there must be a basic plan that you must have in your Christian walk. I'm going to give you these things. Again, it's a refresher from what we've done before, and we'll build on to this. But this basic plan for living a changed life are the following. You want a changed life? You want a changed biblical life on a daily basis? It's not something you just do on Sundays. This is something you do every day. It's your life. It's just like breathing here. So what should we put on in our basic plan? First of all, we talked about one, prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Two, we need a study of the scriptures. We must especially find out. <clears throat> find out how God's word relates to the changes necessary in your life. So here you are, you've made a note of what you had to put off. Then you say, Lord, I need your wisdom because I need to know what to put on instead. And then you find these scriptures as you're studying the scriptures. God's going to give you scriptures. You're going to hear the scriptures. Someone's going to share scripture, something. And it's going to relate to the things that you need to put off. And now you have a scripture to support exactly what you're supposed to do to put on biblically. You need to memorize those scriptures. And we talked about in previous teachings. Have little three by five cards. Have them everywhere. On your refrigerator. On your mirrors. You need to have those scriptures you need to memorize. Those scriptures are in line with what you're trying to deal with. So if you have a problem with lying, find the scriptures that support you and help you and encourage you to put on truth and stop lying. You have a problem with lust, you need to then find the scriptures that talk about how to live a righteous life. And it's not living carnally, not living lustfully, and you need to memorize those scriptures. So when the old man or person starts rising up, you need to make sure that you immediately start quoting the scriptures to combat that sword, to start swinging the sword, the sword of truth, against those thoughts, those words, those actions that you're creeping into your mind. So prayer, study of the scripture. That number three was to uh, scripture memory, to focus on God's answers to the temptations that you're dealing with. And then fourth, you must avoid all forms of evil. 
even the appearance of evil, we must do that. We learned that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, if you remember, on Sunday. So we must avoid all forms of evil, even if it's an appearance of. And that, I believe, is one of the most difficult things for a Christian person to do, is to examine and see what they're watching, or what they're listening, or what they're looking at, name it, they're not willing to cut that out of their lives, even if it's a form of evil. Because it's entertainment. It's, it's just fun. It's just a game. It's, you know, we just passively act like it's no big deal. Well, the scripture says stay away from all forms of evil. So why would you say that all means what? All. It's pretty simple. It's not complex. So for, avoid, number five, obedience to God in all things. Obedience to God in all things. How important it is that we understand these things. Why? Because 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Psalm 119.11 your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do you not sin against God? Hide his word in your heart. You must be on your heart. That's why we memorize the scriptures. John 14, 15 is pretty straightforward, is it not? If you love me, keep my commandments. So you want to be obedient to God in all things? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That means you've got to keep them. You just don't say it, you've got to do it. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word we see in James. And then number six, your consistent and faithful fellowship, consistent faithful fellowship with believers, worshiping God, is, it has to be consistent and faithful. You must be in ministry of, uh, in the body of Christ. You must serve in the body of Christ. Do you want to have your basic plan to, to walk that is solid in, as a Christian? Then be consistent and faithful in your fellowship and your worship and ministry in the body of Christ. Hebrews 10 Verses 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another so and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day is capital D in your Bibles. It should be meaning the return of the Lord. So as you know the, the Lord's returning, we must not forsake the fellowship of God. Stay away from the, the, the body of Christ that God has you in to not only to worship together, to fellowship together, but to minister to one another, to serve one another in the body. And to just separate yourselves and say, I'm okay with that. I don't need to be around Christians. I don't need to be worshiping with other Christians. I don't need to be studying the word or taking communion together. These things are important in your basic plan to walk in a solid Christian life and change biblically. 1 Peter 4.10 As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you got saved, you were given a spiritual gift or gifts and you are to exercise those for God as he leads you for the sake of others. Those gifts are not for you. Those, those gifts are for those that he has, got, has you plugged into around the body to help the body of Christ to be healthy and grow. So again, we, if you want to be able to have this life-changing biblically based daily Christian life that's solid in how to put these things of God on. Like I said, you must pray, you must study the scripture, you must memorize that scripture, you must avoid all forms of evil, you need to be obedient to the God in all things instead of pleasing yourself, 
Instead of gratifying the fleshly desires and just wanting to do your own thing and cloak it with some christian kind of conversations and things that justify. Number six, consistent and faithful fellowship and worship ministry of the body of Christ. And number seven is continual Bible or continual biblical self-evaluation. You must have a daily evaluation, I believe. Especially at the end of the day, and you're recapping, Lord, is there anything I, I just bring back to memory? Having these conversations with God about the, how the day went, how each of those situations, making note throughout the day, oh, that didn't go well, and write that down, and be spending some quiet time with God in the morning and at night, and even through the day, just to ponder on in a self-evaluation of evaluating your thoughts, your words, your actions, and then ask these following questions. Because I think these following questions will help you in that time of self-evaluation. And they're pretty simple. Is this profitable? That's what the scripture says. If it's not profitable in Christ, then you shouldn't do it. So you should be asking those questions. Was that thought, was that action, were those words, that conversation, was it profitable? Was this, in other words, does this contribute toward the development of godly traits in my life? Does it biblically help someone else? Does it help me to, to biblically take responsibility for my life in Christ? Is it profitable? That's the question you have to ask yourself. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I, do, I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm being pulled into this thing over here. Someone's trying to hook me and bring me in. Is it profitable in my developing a godly trait in my life? No. Cut that thing off. Immediately. Is is, is if, if reading these books that are kind of, I'm not sure, questionable maybe, they're kind of good novels, is it profitable to help you in developing those godly traits? Well, it's, you know, it's, I'm okay to read that novel. Yes, the scripture says all things are lawful for me, but that doesn't mean they're profitable for you, especially if you haven't read the other 66 books that are the more important ones. And again, that's between you and the Lord. As the Lord directs your steps, I'm just giving you the basic plans, a basic plan to follow a biblical life, biblically Christ-like life. So it's up to you to implement that. I'm just giving it to you. So the question is, is, is it profitable? The second question you should ask, does this bring me under its power or am I controlled by it in any way? Again, I just read 1 Corinthians 6.12. Does it bring me under power in some way that doesn't allow me to continue to grow spiritually in my, in my relationship? Does it grieve the Holy Spirit in me by doing the things that this is starting to pull me into power and control me? Then you need to evaluate it. You have to ask that question. Verse 3, the third question is, is this an area of spiritual weakness? Is this something that stumbles me in my life? If it does, then you shouldn't be doing it. Matthew, Matthew 18. In your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to cast you into hell fire. See, when you, you it's not, he's not really saying to literally pluck the eye out or take the hand. Is what he's saying is, you know how valuable those eyes are. Do you realize how important those hands are? Do you realize how important that body parts that you have? But are you telling me that's more important if that's going to take you to hell? No. Because if you say, I don't think so, then you don't understand biblical truth of what heaven and hell is. 
You need to learn. You need to grow. You have a bigger problem if you don't understand what the Bible says about hell. Because it shouldn't be a question in your mind. If something's going to hinder you from and cause you to go to hell, why would you even touch it? Entertain it. Why? Because it has a, a power that's controlling you. And it's a stumbling block in your life, and it just makes it become spiritual weakness, and you must cut it off. The fourth question is, could this lead another believer in Christ to stumble? And again, it's not about you all the time here. It's about others, people. And you may have the freedom to do something, but it may cause stumbling on another brother or sister. Then you must ask that question. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. You love God and you love others, you won't do things that's going to cause them to stumble. And if you do, you just, oh, conviction? No, that's not good. That's not right. That's, identify it, confess it, and then no longer. No longer. The fifth question is does this edify or build up others? Or does this stand in the way? And tears people down. Does this edify that I'm about to do or say or whatever? Does it edify or build up? Or does it biblically showing biblical love in the way you should do to other people? Is this the biblically loving thing to do? Romans 14, 19, therefore let us not... I'm sorry, therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify another. That's what we need to pursue. And we need to practice that and be consistent with it and prayerfully recognize when we're not. Because that's a very important question to ask, especially working and dealing with other people on a daily basis. And last question is, does this glorify God? What I'm about to say or do or go or whatever, or encourage other people to do, does it glorify God? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Now, to build on this plan, to build on understanding the questions you should be asking and I should be asking myself on a daily basis as we're walking to continue to grow and, and build on the biblical life, a, a biblical change in our life, we must have this basic plan in place. We should have a desire for this to happen in our lives. And with that, you develop this contingency plan as you're walking this daily life and you're trying to grow and mature, there's going to be times where the enemy is going to be like a lion that's just right around that bush, man, is going to jump out on you and you're going to get tempted. The question is, what's your contingency? Because this is, you're doing pretty good. I'm in the Word, I'm in fellowship, I'm studying the Word, things are going great, I'm serving the Lord, I'm just amazed, this is awesome, everyone should be like, this is great. <laughs> then the enemy comes. And then someone from your past pops in somehow. Then all of a sudden you get kind of you get sick, physical sickness, you're stressed, you're 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 hungry, and all of a sudden the flesh starts bubbling back up. And all of a sudden, how are you going to deal with the temptation? How are you going to deal with the attacks? How are you going to deal with those thoughts that came popping up for 10, 20 years later? And you're like, how did that, where did that come from? The question is, do you have a contingency plan to protect yourself? To strengthen yourself? To keep yourself from falling down and falling to the temptation? Here's the contingency plan. Here's the contingency plan that I need you to think through and think about. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. First of all, be sober. 
That means clear-minded. Be vigilant. You know, again, a side note. When it says be sober, it means is there anything that's clouding your mind or affecting your mind? You should not be touching. That's a no-touchy moment there. Don't touch it. Because if you get, you're no longer clear-minded, you will make mistakes and you will not, you will not be clearly seeing the temptations that are coming your way and the fact that the lion is just pacing up and down looking for to take you out. So be sober, be vigilant. That means you're alert, you're watching, you're observing your surroundings, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like, the, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Everyone has these same kinds of temptations. You're not alone, man. So the question is, how do you have a contingency plan to deal with this? Here's what you do. Prayer is the number one thing. You need to immediately start praying for the wisdom and the direction and the grace to withstand the temptation, period. Do you see the, the, the subject of prayer popping up a lot? A lot. Because it should be a lot. It should be like breathing. Number two. Biblical thoughts. When temptation comes, how do you utilize the scripture quickly and remembering to stay dependent on God's truth and have biblical thoughts? You must have that contingency. You must know. You must know yourself in such a way that because you've examined yourself and examining yourself and God's showing you the things that needs to change your life, you've got scripture that you've memorized and you're ready to just... Bring those scriptures out and open up the scriptures of the Bible and immediately start praying and immediately get into the word so that it will stop those thoughts, those unbiblical thoughts and those actions and words that have been coming, are coming out of your mouth. Thirdly, you need to have biblical speech, not only biblical thoughts, remembering to stay on, dependent on God. I need to depend on God. That's what you need to always remember. And the third one is to, a biblical speech. It says, especially quoting scripture. You need to quote it. You need to have just the, giving a reason for the hope within you is the scripture. You need to constantly be thinking about the scriptures and the truths and the promises that God has given you. That's going to help your speech. Because all of a sudden, as you're going along and something comes out, just start talking out loud about the scripture. Start quoting the scripture. Talk to, your, talk to God and remind, you're in control, God. You're in control. I'm in the palm of your hand. I know it. And start quoting the scriptures that support that. That will bring those thoughts, those actions, and words under control. When you're tempted, you have to have a contingency. And lastly, that biblical action, that to, you need to flee temptation. When temptation comes, you don't sit there and go, oh, that's interesting. Well, how did that happen? I'm not sure how it happened. No, it started with a thought, and then you looked for opportunity, you had a desire, and all of a sudden, boom, everything kind of come across crossroads, and guess what happens? It's right there in your face. You must flee. That's your contingency plan. You must run. <laughs> you must run from that conversation, run from that thought, run from that place, run from the... You must flee. You must flee. But if you cannot flee that temptation immediately, you must remain obedient to Scripture as Jesus did in his temptations that we see in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, in order for God to provide you with what? His strength and a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.30 you're finding yourself in, there's over the time in the years, sitting in meetings, business meetings, you're crowded with a bunch of people, things are happening, you can't just get up from that business meeting. You, you're on the top of a roof, and you and your fellow workers are just working away, and the language is going, and the accusations are going, and you can't just flee it, you're on the roof, you have a job, you can't leave the job site. How do you deal with that? When those attacks come while you're up on the roof or in the business meeting. 
or in your house or in your neighborhood. You must draw strength from God by talking to him in your head, asking him for help, and Lord, show me the way to escape. Because he promises he'll, he'll, he'll give you a, an escape to get out of that temptation. We must do these contingencies. And whenever possible, and whenever possible or necessary, obtain help from others. Yes, you must ask for help. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, the people fail or fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, there are, they are established. So my brothers and sisters, anytime you say, and if you say this to me, you, 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 quickly, you quickly hear it from me. Well, I thought you were busy. I know you, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, I, I thought about calling you and I should have called you. Now, hindsight, I wouldn't have done what I've done if I would have called. I'm telling you, the contingency plan. God puts it on your heart to call that brother and sister who's going to encourage you and bring you back to the scripture, back to Christ, back to, you must pick up the phone and phone a friend. You, you need to do that. If you don't, it's a pride issue. And I hope it's on your top put off list. <laughs> it should be number one, pride. You got to get it off and put on, you need a humbleness. You need to be brokenness. That's a put on moment. You need to do those things. Or that pride is going to cause you. And the enemy will know that you won't make that phone call. And that means he's just much more excited about working with you. Because he knows your pride will cause you to not make the phone call or go and cry out to the Lord and seek him. You'll try to lean on your own understanding and deal with it and say, I'm strong enough, I can deal with this. And no, you're not. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we did talked about renewing of the mind. There were five steps that renewing of the mind. Go back and listen to that teaching and how important it is to renew the mind through the reading of the word of God. Uh, to do that. And then consistently and faithfully practice your new biblical pattern for daily living. You must practice that. For, uh, James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, we sang that today, liberty, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the, of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What she does, you'll be blessed because you're a doer, not just a hearer. And then lastly here, if you sin, if you have sinned and you've fallen short, you've missed it, you fall down, you need to respond biblically to your failure. If you have failed, you must get back up and you must respond biblically, my brothers and sisters. You must do it because you need to acknowledge that it was failure. You went against God and you can rely on God's sustaining care. You must remember that God loves you and he will care for you. You must get back up and confess it and turn to God quickly so that he can care you and just bring you and continue back on the journey. You must do that. Psalm 37, 24. Though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the lord upholds him with his hand so many times when you're walking so well as a christian everything's going great and then you fall to the temptation you didn't have a contingency plan you weren't sober-minded you weren't vigilant you weren't walking you started slipping back and getting back and ah, you know this christian thing really got a little overhand at least my my unsaved brother told me I'm getting a little Jesus freakish and so I, I probably should start hanging out with my family more and I should who are ungodly and I should be hanging out with my friends in the past they're ungodly and
and I should hang out in, in fellowship with my coworkers who are ungodly. And you wonder why you find yourself in a position where you're tempted. And you've fallen. And then the enemy starts firing, saying, God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. You're all up. You're no, he can't use you anymore. You've you, you got to bring those under thoughts under captivity. That's just not true. He's got you in his hand. He'll lift you up. He'll clean you up. And he'll strengthen you to keep walking. And you must remember that. Psalm 145, 14, the Lord upholds all who fall and rises up all who are bowed down. If you're a person, a brother or sister who worships God and is humbled and bowed down, recognizing apart from, uh, apart from God, you can do nothing. That's who he just pulls up and lifts up. And so whenever you fall, I'm going to give you four things. Four things to remember. I pray you do remember. Identify your failure. Be honest. Identify your failure. And confess your sins to God. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and in my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done these ev this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Identify your failure to God. Confess it. Don't lie to yourself and certainly don't lie to God. Two, whenever you fall, you need, or fail, you need to confess your sins to those against whom you have sinned. James 5.16. If you have sinned, you just accused someone, you just blasted someone, you, did, you must and you're convicted know that that is not how you should have handled that with that person. And you can try to justify all you want of why you did what you're doing. But if it was not righteous, it's not right, it wasn't good, it wasn't in love, and you're not forgiving, you must go and confess your sins to those who, whom you have sinned. <clears throat> if you can. If you're able to, to be able to do that. The third thing you need to do when you fail is you need to show the deeds of repentance. Your actions, your words and things need to line up with a truly confessed heart. That you're corresponding to this change in direction. James 4 verses 7 through 10 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And then fourth, Fourthly, when you fail, you must reconstruct or revise your basic and or your contingency plan. Something didn't go right. You didn't follow the plan or that plan needs to be adjusted. You need to find some additional scriptures that will help you. You didn't phone a friend. You should have phoned the friend. Whatever it is, find out why you went through with that temptation and then didn't have the strength to be able to, to withstand that. Philippians 2 verses 12. And 13, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. To do his good pleasure. Because you're remembering that God has promised you victory. He has promised you victory over failures. I'll give you a few more scriptures. I know we're running out of time here, but Proverbs 24, verse 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 and 15. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are 
to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. God creates an aroma about you. It's not your bad BL. That's, that's the old man. You've got a new fragrance about you that is no longer di dying, rotted flesh that controls you, but now a sweetness about a new... Uh, that robe of righteousness has you clothed in you. It has a, a, a smell that is just permeates around people around you. Those who are perishing and those who are in the family with you. They, there's something about you of Christness that is just sweet to be around you. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? And if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God tonight, tonight's the night you need to believe. I know God is touching your heart right now and you can feel the heart beating and you know you need to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and you know that he died for your sins. Tonight's the night for your salvation. Tonight's tonight you start your personal relationship with Jesus Christ if you haven't already. You must. But if you already have done that but you've been living a cardinal life, tonight's the night you confess your sins and you start being, getting on that basic plan, that contingency plan in place so that you do not fall down any longer. You continue to walk according to God's purpose and plan. But you must begin again to live God's way. You've fallen down. Tonight's the night you get back up and you start walking and living God's way again. Do not wait. Do not think about it. Get up and start moving forward. Get into prayer tonight. Get into the word tonight. Get into the developing the plans. What needs to be put off? What needs to be put on? Get back into the scriptures. I beseech you, Romans 12, 1, that you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If you're saved, your reasonable service is to surrender all to God and get back on track with him. You must not dwell on your past failures any longer. God has completely forgiven you and is continuing to perfect his work in you. We have those promises. We see that in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his great pleasure.